0: Hi, guess what? I'm going to do another partial one this week because I screwed up. I made a mistake. <clears throat> I feel bad, Ben. I'm going to make it right. Uh, <clears throat> I forgot, in the rush of everything, yesterday I was supposed to do a partial um, to someone uh, sponsored in, in, in memory of his wife. <clears throat> it's become a friend of mine, I would like to think, through the emails. <clears throat> through the podcast. I meet a lot of people in the email form. And you can form an opinion, <clears throat> at least... Opinion of who they are, uh, I have a high opinion of uh, Joseph Hiller over here, whose uh, wife's yard that was yesterday. So I do regret, uh, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's maybe because Tishabub whatever. <clears throat> Usually I write these things down, um, but I forgot Let me say this, McConnell, how about whoever's listening? If you ever, <clears throat> um, and people do sometimes. If someone, if you any of you says I'd like to sponsor. or Reserve something for a week or two or three or something like that now. And that's fine. Do me a favor and just give me a heads-up call two days before. You know what I'm saying? Just say, dear Rabbit cats, you know, just keep in mind that we're set for, you know, this week or next few days or something like that. Because that's had uh, sometimes I'm absent-minded. Uh, usually I have it written down, and I'm surprised I didn't. But you, I don't know. I guess uh, I can only surmise because of Tishba, which is uh, overwhelming over here because I have to do the keynotes and the shul and everything. So whatever the case is, I'm very happy um, to try and make it up a little bit today by ex- exploring another part of Parshat See, Any Parsha in Torah it can be uh, explored a hundred ways at least. I know it sounds like I'm making a joke out of it, <clears throat> but I'm not, not really. Uh, because the Torah is kind of endless, and I don't mean that in a cliché way. A lot of different angles. <clears throat> and particularly Devarim and Parshat my goodness, my goodness. So, having said that, I want to quote her husband who's saying that today's podcast on Parsha Seikov is dedicated one minute in honor and most loving memory of my wife, Raina Hiller, Raina Basavram Basara, says a Gert on her second yard site, 19th above, a courageous, generous, funny, forgiving, and beautiful woman who passed away at 33. She spent a year studying and preparing. For conversion to Judaism, while at the same time going through the chemo, and fighting the, fighting the brain cancer. <clears throat> Can you imagine that? <clears throat> Can you imagine? You know, somebody like that, the basement does not have to say, are you serious? Anybody in that situation is serious, and she's supremely missed. So I pay tribute um, to her memory. Sorry about that. <sighs> and I want to tell you something, because you mentioned for Raina, um, which is Malka. You know, Reina is the Spanish. It's Malka. So, uh, a lot of Sephardin women in the history had named Reina, Malka. Um, <clears throat> you know, in this week's podcast, it says, There are more than one Pasukah p- back. is this very interesting, if you notice. That's in, uh, oh, you know, Hamishia or wherever. Which is uh, what I want to talk about today. <clears throat> I don't know. I have a couple ideas. But... Uh, Notice well that Moshe says, so et cetera, et cetera. And then it goes on to say, And so on and so forth. And then it's, now listen closely what I'm about to say. Those two are back-to-back, juxtaposed. First comes the part you should love the gear the Gersedic, that is. Uh, And the second part is, (coughs) you should fear Hashem, or, I'll use the word Yira. No, I'm not finished. Also So I guess the Yira is not enough. I'm not finished. Unless, now, this lends itself to a lot of ways of looking at it. I'm sure the Mefarshim do that. You can talk about this as a process. First comes the Yira, then the Avodah, then comes the Vekas, and then comes the Bushmoti Other ways of understanding it. I'm just saying, this is a heavy <clears throat> Indian in this week's Parsha, in the very um, uh, embedded, in the very, uh, you know, belly of the Parsha, and smack in the middle, when Moshe is saying over and over again, you have to like Hashem, worship Hashem, keep Hashem all the rest of it. It's always in the business about an optimistic gear, right? And I think there are 36 sukkim like that. So, uh, if I remember correctly, the Rambam, in his famous letter, to the Ger to Avadia mentions, there, you know, dozens of sukkim along those lines. Now, um, this is very interesting because I'll tell you where I'm going with this. In our parsha, broadly speaking, you know, we have all these warnings. You'll go to Israel and you'll find that you're taking over a, a business that's already there, a going concern. When Jews came in and conquered the country and drove out or destroyed. The original inhabitants. So the original inhabitants left behind a whole bunch of stuff. Like, to use American terminology, they left cars, they left homes, they left the refrigerator. You know, it, it, it wasn't starting from scratch. And so, you know, Sodos or something, you know, Moshe goes to the trouble of know, emphasizing that. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, what is the purpose of the whole story, which is just going to Egypt and then going out and then coming over and conquering militarily and taking over the land of Canaan? <clears> At <throat> Kedekach, the Moshe say like this, the farm you can have, the food you can eat, the animals you can use, uh, the idols you have to get rid of. that Interesting. And if I were God, I would do like this. I'd take the Jews out of Egypt. I'd get them on some gigantic boats. I'd take them out to St. Helena or some big island somewhere in the as well. I'd make sure nobody's living on the island. The Jews would then be hermetically cut off from all bad influences. They would build an, uh, on the island a perfect society. And Shalom Yisrael, heck what they're you know? Shalom Yisro. What's wrong with the scenario I just said? Why did God have to stick the Jewish situation smack in the middle of the Middle East, land that belonged to others, inhabited by others? You have to go and conquer it. And even if you conquer it, it lays within it the cancer of idolatry because, as happened, once they took all this, the guy looked at this guy, that one, and said, you know, when all said and done, I'll, I'll use a good example. Not a bad guy. Bad guy say the heck with this. I'm using this in my living room, you know? Another person is, you know, there's a big statue over here. I'll cut off just pieces and the rest of the statue I'll throw away. Just like strips of gold. And I'll use the strips of gold for some financial purposes. Now you know allowed to do anything belongs to an idol. You can't have. You can't have a gnaw, as everybody knows. Why? What's it? and why does Hashem put him in that temptation? What's the reason for that? Doesn't it make sense what I just said? Take them to an island or some desert area where they're free from everybody else. Nobody will corrupt them. After all, isn't that the theory of the 40 years in the desert surrounded by clouds, fed by the moon, by the Miriam, They're not influenced by anybody else. And hopefully they'll grow up st- totally from. Isn't this today the Haredi dream? If we're up to Haredim in general, were it possible... You'd build a city in Israel or in America, you know, Monroe or something like that. <clears throat> As a pristine, uh, pure, right? Don't have anything to do with anybody else, like Greta Garbo. I just want to be left alone, right? <clears throat> and the argument would go: We have a system of laws, of religious customs, and all the rest of it. Right? It doesn't make sense to others; it makes sense to us. <clears throat> the result is we end up with a society that's uh, that works, has law and order, you know. It's pretty good. So, uh, what's wrong with what we're doing? What's wrong with building a city of 50,000 chassidim? Assuming that then you wouldn't need cops, uh, you know what I mean, to uh, prevent crime on the streets and all that sort of thing. Assuming that that were the case. I mean, isn't that like a model? Instead, Hashem said, I'm taking it to 47th Street. (laughs) I said it wrong. I'm taking 42nd Street. You know, I don't know. I haven't been in New York in years. Do you know that? Isn't it weird? I used to have a brother pass passed away. I haven't been in New York City in years. It's weird. Um, So, I think 42nd Street is still 42nd Street. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But anyhow, God takes the Jews out of Egypt, takes them 42nd Street, and then it's like this. Don't, you know, set up a model country over here, and don't be influenced by what you see around you, and don't put anything in your pocket, don't keep anything you find lying around in the houses and the buildings on 42nd Street. If you think I'm joking, you are so wrong. Believe you me, Canaan was Mama's 42nd Street, right? Canaan was the headquarters of the ancient hardcore uh, pornographic of Odozoro. Uh, I wouldn't be the type to tell you go look up this and this website here and there if you want to find out what the Canaanites were into, but baby, so why would I do that? You're trying to tell people oh, you live a pure life, a family life. The constructive life and then you take a to Canaan right uh, and even if they do right which they did not do and they get rid of the people which they did not do so you say there's no living Canaanite around to be on them you left them with the material stuff wouldn't it have made more sense to say like this go to Canaan if that's the case I say better go in the desert. But let's say you go to Canaan. Burn and destroy everything and start all over again. From scratch. Whatever you see destroyed, buried under the ground, and then start brand new. After all, Hashem can take care of you. Right? The same God that got you through the desert and got you out of each with the Red Sea can take care that the prosperity will head in. That way, every Jewish farmer from then on will be able to say, I built this farm with my own hands. And Hashem's blessing, it's a totally from thing, etc., etc. You don't find any of that. you got the opposite. You're coming to a land, Moshe tells them, which will be flourishing and a going concern. And the problem is, you'll have to learn how to be appropriationist. Okay? You'll have to know what you can take and what you can't take. And there'll be stuff in both categories. And as I said before, you know, don't take the idols and that sort of thing, but the other stuff you can take. So we see from the beginning that the Jews are thrown into a situation, in which they say before they have to interact with others and learn how to appropriate and what not to appropriate. I think that's very interesting. Now, you kind of see over here something that's profound, the Haino. What is the purpose of Claudius Yisro? Are we just supposed to be a separate people? And uh go our way. We got a Torah. God singled himself by giving us the Torah and um having a separate set of laws. As Moshe Rabbeinu says in this week's parsha so famously, all the nations will look at you and say, Rach, I'm Khacham Okay, fine. And we should build a model society in Israel. You then don't want to proceed to say, Unfortunately, no, we didn't build the modern model society we are supposed to build. Nebuchadnezzar didn't work out. Had it worked out, things would be different. So that's very interesting, because it's extremely ethnocentric. And you can find, it says, You know, uh, what you're really saying is like this. The rest of the world can go to hell. They don't count. And this little group, in Eretz Yisrael, that's the part that counts. As for the Chinese, the Indians, the Africans, and all the others, eh, it doesn't matter what happens to them. Really? In other words, is that right? Is that correct? In point of actual fact, it's not correct. Um, You can read, for example, Ari Kaplan's, uh, what's it called, the Handbook of Jewish Thought? Um, remember the parts there where, you know, he's quoting from and all these other places. Or you can skip all that and just go to the second chapter of Eleno, in which you see the universalist mission assigned to Jewish people. Because at first you say, and you emphasize that we are treated and commissioned different than all the other nations. Right? they worship other gods we worship the real God Okay, but then having done a little bit of a boost what follows then the Jew is supposed to say that we hope for the triumph of these ideas throughout all of mankind we want the salvation of the whole human race even the bad ones in the Kurt ones. Uh, <speaking in Hebrew> we hope the time will come that all the nations will get rid of idols. Not only Klai Right? All the countries. How's it go? What's that all about? No tikkun alum baloney. The real tikkun alone What does that mean? To fix the human race. Kol <speaking> Kol <in Hebrew> We look for a time, then the whole human race will call to God. Don't say they have to convert to Judaism. Right? But they should. You want the wicked. Why don't you say like this? Heck with the wicked. Kill all the wicked and let the good ones survive and build a new... No. It's not what we seek. We seek the, the, the reform and the uh, vindication of the wicked. You want the wicked? You kol the wicked? We want all the Yeshua table, all the people in Tasmania, and who knows where, all the world, how, how's it going? Y'akir shabba l'ashon, et cetera, et we know very well. So how do you fit all that in to the Chumish narrative, which doesn't make any sense, that, doesn't talk about that, unless, the goes as follows. God wanted the whole Jewish people to be, were they getting the Torah? That didn't work out. So he said, I'll pick one group. The group is a little bit weird, because we're not particularly good. But we're good. So God said, I'll put my money in this group. right? My time and effort in this group. And um, indeed, the whole story of the Chumash is about that. The idea was as follows. Get, take them to Egypt. Now, again, it's strange. If the formative experience of Klaw Yisrael is supposed to be, again, some kind of a Korah Barzal, should have put him in a hot desert somewhere, away from all other human beings, not in the Avi Avos Atum of Mitzrayim. It all pertains to the same theme. Uh, it's interactive. And what it means is, I'll put him through some kind of process in Egypt, then I'll take him to Israel, um, they'll build, hopefully, a model state in Israel, which does require getting rid of the Canaanites and the Gaim, because they will be an unbelievably bad influence, especially the girls. Um, but if the Jews, listen to what I'm saying, and they make sure that there's no Gaim in the country whatsoever, zero, so as we would say today, there's no TVs, right? There's no internet. There'll be no Canani and murray Prisi and all the rest of it, had they done what they're supposed to do. They have to kill him, but they got to get rid of them. Move them elsewhere. Then hopefully, everybody on the block and in the whole shaven and the whole area will be from Jews. Hopefully, they'll build a model society. And slowly but surely, um, news of this model society and the Ashpar will trickle out of Israel to the neighboring countries and from them to the next neighboring countries until it reaches all over the world. And So I'll just make this up. The people in Amman and Moab, after a while, would say, you know, I see the Jewish people crossed the way and uh, their towns don't have any cops. <laughs> That's interesting. They have law and order naturally. I see that, you um, know, they have a good family life. Right? No, they're running around like we're used to. Um, and they're doing it voluntarily. I see that they have a Shabbos. They have all the other institutions. Which, at the end of the day, helped make the society of the B'nai Israel, when it works, something uh, impressive. I think I've said before, I have a sister lives in Israel on the remote pull-in. And uh, it's happened to many times. I think some of you know them talking about is the eggshells, you know, the outside of Jerusalem in the north. And uh, it was originally meant to be a Khiloni neighborhood back in the 1960s that was avant-garde. Um, architecture with the walls not straight and all that sort of thing. But it turns out that it was a turn-off to the Khilonim, so the firm brought it up and became a Haredi ghetto. There's lots of families living there. But nevertheless, it was built by a Safdie, an avant-garde Israeli architect. All kind of unusual ideas. Futuristic ideas. Um, this is from the 60s. Uh, I still remember as was a kid. Expo 67. No, softy, So anyway, I've been there many times. And it's done in a weird way. It's a lot of circles and narrow paths and warrens and like little holes in the ground or something like that. Little areas you walk into in between apartments. And let me put it this way. It's a perfect for crime. <laughs> it's perfect for the drugs. For, for, for mugging. That's what it is. I've been there. Um, especially when it gets dark, but even before, is it perfect for crime? But guess what? There's no crime. <laughs> how come there's no crime? Everybody there is a decent person. That's not what they're into. I don't figure how can I jump the next guy? Uh, yeah, I'll leave him alone, you know, from Jews doesn't do that if they're doing it the right way. And so it's just very interesting that they could have had, as they say before, a whole city full of people with law and order. And nobody's bothering anybody else. If you take it to the full degree, this is already a little hard to hear, you take it to the full degree, if they really would take it to heart, imagine a city, which is one gigantic uh, kelm, (laughs) which is, remember, kelm, the guy left, I think you know the story. The guy left an umbrella there, and nobody touched it for years, all the rest of it, because it's not mine. I see something It's not mine, I don't take it. (laughs) So imagine if the world was like that. Everybody's bumping to everybody else, saying, is this yours? Is this yours? Instead of me stealing from you. So the theory was that the Jews have built a model society. News of it will trickle out. People will start to come and check it out. They'll say, you know, the Shabbos stuff is all weird to me, and the Kashos is nuts, and the tiresome but I have to admit, it, it, it coheres, it works, it, it comes together. Each piece of it by itself looks weird to me, but the whole thing is put together the package deal, the part doom and everything else, you end up with a very nice society. You end up with a very nice society. It's a peaceful, it's constructive, it's idealistic, it's faith-oriented. It's a very good society. And slowly but surely, little by little, my friends, over God's good time, no matter how long it took, the world would come around to the second paragraph of Eleno. All right? Yeah, the real honest tikkun olam. What I just described is the tikkun olam. Okay, that's the real tikkun olam. Um, now it didn't work. I'm just saying this is the meaning of it. Okay, when you have that in mind. So apparently it was necessary to have a situation in which the Jews are not going to start everything from scratch, but to work with the existing materials. If they would start everything from scratch, maybe they would make a society that was just completely different than anybody else's. But if you work already with Burr, Khatsu, Mashil, to the Toto. So people say this, it's a regular country, they have regular agriculture, they have regular cities like everybody else's. The houses look like everybody else's. But the people inside are different. And the Hanhagas are different. And you see, it's possible to go through a year and a half crops without human sacrifices. (laughs) You understand? Without all the other stuff that used to go along at that time. You can have a religious ceremony without having some kind of the gay prostitutes, the non-gay prostitutes, that and the other. It's possible to have a meaningful religious experience without all that junk. You understand? They're standing in the place which used to be a temple, and that's where they used to shech people, and now it's used just as a, um, you know what I mean, a granary, uh, a horse stable, whatever. In other words, it was necessary for people to see that the original Canaanite stuff is there, but doesn't have the influence on the people. That's the only way I can make sense out of this. I might be right, I might be wrong. That's what makes sense to me. And, so the, and the Jewish people themselves were being given a message, which is, the Lebanese tradition mentioned, which means you're not here to create a society in which you're only for yourself. You may have to start that way, right? Uh, but once you get your situation together, now it never happened because they never got rid of the Canaanites. But I'm just saying, once you start that way, once you get your act together, then your job is to go into Kiruf. Since so, so a little bit today, there are many people. They go into the Kirby movement for all kinds of variety of reasons. But some say, like this, I come from a a family. People spend time in the, in in the building up the Yiddishkeit, My family already has that because my grandparents, my parents were already, you know, instilled that into us, so on and so forth. I want to go and live a life full of meaning, and therefore I want to go and try to be Makar of others. This eventually would have had to become the vocational Kali Thrill. In order for this to happen, they can't be um, What's the right word? So isolation is because so they don't know how to interact with other people. Instead, so they were sent into Canaan, which is an inhabited area, with the idea that before too long, although not too prematurely, he'll be dealing with other people. Hear this well. If the Canaanites themselves had not fought back, but had left the country like the Girgashi are supposed to have done, then they themselves could have been saved. I'm just making this up. Imagine the Kanani and the Prezi and the Emori, whatever. So I guess the Klai coming, like Roch of said, we heard they split the Red Sea, we're packing out of here. And we go and live in Syria, for example. And then give it 50 years, 100 years. They come and say, whatever happened to where we used to live? Oh, look how nice, Look, look what they did with it. Look what they did with it. We should be like that also, and the Kanani would be part of the second Parik of Elenu. Now it didn't quite work out that way, but this is the ideal behind it. So, the hope that I just described in the second Parik of Elenu is hope for Ger Tzedek, not in the regular halachic sense, like Reina Hiller that we're talking about today, where somebody formally converts to the Jewish. Religion. I'm not talking about that. There's a Gere that people say like this, I'm going to come and find out more about Hashem, and I want to have a relationship with Him. This doesn't necessarily require formal conversion, but it requires taking a bunch of steps. Now, um, I think this is a very powerful um, theme in Pasha, and, and it's part of um, a speech that begins... After Moshe Beno has been telling over their history, what they've been done wrong, it starts with a very famous Pesach, which is almost funny and weird. Even Chazal says so. What does God want from you? Whoa, whoa. That's Marsha Okay, that's a tall order. It's like saying, all I'm asking you to do is walk on the, across the Atlantic Ocean, climb the Pacific, go to the top of Mount Everest, jump on the moon, and then come back by way of Mars. Yeah, you know, simple. <laughs> right? And the Gemara even says, at least partially, remember that? is the Yira so simple? They said, what am I asking you? Just have Yira. That's so simple? And the Gemara says for Moshe it was simple, simple in other words, Moshe lived a little bit on cloud nine to a certain degree he he couldn't help see things from his point of view. His point of view was different than that of regular cholysterol because he was on a different level. we can say what's the problem of euro But look what the Puzzle says so each one of these very hard. And so on and so forth. For those who remember, I have a little bit of memory, this pasuk is the working thesis of the Misilz Yischarim. Do you remember this? In the intro to the Misilz Yischarim, the Ramchal, who's very organized, says, "I'm going to try to get a book which encapsulates all of Judaism, or maybe we should say all of Musar." And this book that I'm writing. It's nothing but a playing out of this Pesach. Here I'm reading. Here's the M'sil Sishan. In the intro. Hatom Samechaber. And he says. Uh, you need Yira. And Right? Yira is Achas. And he goes on and says. That only Europe is the ultimate Chachma. You want to have Yira. Even though it's not easy to translate obviously. Yeah, fear doesn't quite do it, does it? Um To fulfill this posig of Marshall Malakekh of Dorosh the year and all the rest of it, he says, requires Ian Gotto a great deal of thought and study to get it right. And not simply to shoot the bull and go by what you imagine at first glance. And to acquire these uh, traits. And if you think about it, you'll see The real Hasidus is done applied to outward things. Nowadays you see a and a kapato. Those days you see rolling in the snow or exaggerated, you know, uh, fasting but rather no it's not external things but rather the real khassidus applies in this pusuk of moshe levkecho dorisha isro uh kim leiroso leches bitrocho avso avna shimkho rabonavsho and so forth kan kol kol kelkishlemos avono harnitzis this pusuk contains all the elements of the shlemos that a Jew strives for all those four or five things. And he goes to the trouble in this famous introduction to kind of give a thumbnail description. Hayiro is yiras Yeris right? I won't read it at length because so we don't have time. Ha-alich Right? Ha-alich HaBidrochav Kol-inin Yosher HaMidus Mitikunam is what you and I call they have good midos. Ava, Nikpali Bottom, Yisbarh, Tisara Nav show Lasses Ruk Nakushulfana. Avas Hashan means you reach a point where you wanna listen closely. You want to do God a favor. That's called Avaz Hashem. I want to do the mitzvah to make God feel good. If you can hit that level, you're doing pretty good. Shlame Salav, meaning Bechol Baba Khanashgal Batara Kavanah. That the mitzvahs you do and your and the various you refrain from are done with pure kavanah. In other words, not for side reasons, stuff like that. And Shmir's call Mitzvus is called mitzvahs, diktuk be mitzvahs. So in other words, that's a Moserist interpretation. I would not have interpreted this way. That's a Moserist interpretation. And it's not wrong, but it's a Mussarist interpretation. Moshe is telling the Jewish people, God's not asking for human sacrifices. He's not asking you to give all the money away. He's not asking that you roll in the snow, as the guy said, and all the rest of it. But he is asking for mental stuff. Yira, Leleches <inaudible> bedrochov, Ava, avdes Hashem B'cholei B'chol Nefesh, these are all mental. There's a mental. Uh, so it's it complicated? I'm taking you into a country, you're going to have to throw the people out, or kill them. Then we'll start, you will take over their houses, so you won't have an excuse to have to spend 20 years just working on the practical side. Right? Because a lot of people say like this. First to make a living. And then, once i made a living, then I'll talk about Rukhnius. In Israel, you walk right away into a going concern. You already had a house, you already had the food, you already had everything else. So now you can start right away with the Ruchnius. That's what Moshe Bain is telling them, right? And he says, a And then, you work in the Dvekas and, and so on and so forth. So, um, when Moshe doesn't say the next part, which is, once you do that, we work on the Gaim. Because they never got to this part. Um unfortunately we're still working on that today. And so as we stand here today, there are miles and miles to go before we can fix the Jewish situation. I'm not gonna go into that. <laughs> Things are very far from perfect in Judaism, um, among the Jewish people. We all know that. But the direction is laid out in Parsha Sekev. and um it's and it leads to a strange um fate of the Jewish people, because if God wanted this to happen it must imply, at least in my mind, that he endowed the Jews with certain tochos. now every nation in the world has its powers and lesser powers, its pluses and minuses it's pretty clear that the Jews uh, let's say for example, we don't have a cuisine, we don't have an art we don't have a um, architecture it's just true, you know We don't really have a typical Jewish literature, you know, as others do, and so on and so forth. Whatever we have, we have knockoffs of other cultures. Nothing originally Jewish in that. What's originally Jewish is our Torah idea, you know, the the idea of God and conduct and so forth. That's a very powerful idea. This idea has powerfully impacted mankind way beyond their numbers. In modern era, when... I would say, speaking broadly, the Europeans, the Goyim, deprived the Jews of the religious idea, most Jews, uh, because that's what happened. Uh, So the Jews now spread with the power of the ideas in other areas, science, art, literature, and all the rest of it, with positive and negative results. That's the fault of the Goyim. They should have left us alone. And, you know, the Jews would concentrate on their own stuff. And the basic Jewish idea of one God and a just God and all the rest of it, that's really what we have to contribute to the pot. Uh, That you see delineated, as I said before over here, if we have such a destiny, such a fate, then obviously we're small in numbers, so we must be powerful in the quality which makes up for the small numbers. There's no question that's true. The Jews today have an outlying uh influence in events, and as we all know, and we wish it weren't so, the world pays a lot more attention to Israel and stuff like that Jewish stuff than we would wish. I remember when I was a kid a million years ago, very young, you almost never heard Jewish stuff on the news once in a while about Israel that's right. it was you know you never heard it um therefore there was no anti-Semitism on the news nowadays it's a different story um these are things that most is already taught about three thousand years ago and if you now to read the parsha I contend you see this already foreshadowed three millennia ago but I see I've uh, spoken too long already so I just want to conclude once again by saying that uh a tribute on the yard site of Reina, Reina batavram of vino Sarimeno, second yard say well wow, look at that we hope to have an leah. and now I really wish you all a good Shabbos, and I'll be off tomorrow, I hope, to tea, Nick. Bye-bye. For sponsorship opportunities, or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.